Welcome to another episode of Well Not Perfect. Today, I want you to prepare yourself because this is a conversation most of us dread, and that is discussing our financial health. Now, before you turn off the show, I want you to just take a moment and think about why this one is the most important element of your well-being. Today, you will learn how finances affect your mental and physical well-being, the importance of financial tools like budgeting, and learn tools to cope with your anxiety while working to attain your financial goals. Just in general, money is emotional. When you think about money, emotions typically come up. And so our mood really does affect the way that we look at money and spend money. And if we kind of get a little bit more insight to those patterns, we can gain a little bit more control of how we spend money. Today, I sit down with Angel Arnold, a licensed professional counselor at Simply Be Counseling. During this time, you will learn how financial wellness affects our mental health. And when your relationship to money and finances is positive, then you can free up time, mental space, and energy to focus on growth in other areas in your life. If your goal is to increase your overall wellness, but you've been unsure how to balance your basic needs with things that feel like, quote, extra, such as therapy, taking a yoga class, cooking classes, and etc., then check out this conversation with Angel. Today, she will provide you with tangible skills to overcome your fear, anxiety, and shame, and avoidance around your financial situations so that you can boost your self-esteem, confidence, and thrive in your life. Angel, thanks for being here today. And to get us started, I'm really curious for you to tell us what are the three main areas that people typically struggle with when it comes to their financial well-being? So the three main areas that people typically struggle with is one, feeling stuck. They get caught in this avoidance trap when it comes to finances. Um, They might also feel extremely stressed and have intense emotions such as fear, anxiety, or guilt. And then also they feel as though they can't afford some of the services that would benefit their mental health. And then let's say someone has financial well-being. They feel good or they want to feel good, they're not there yet. What are like the three deeper desires that people typically desire when they're wanting to feel that experience and feel what I would consider to be really free? Well, I don't know about you, but a lot of people want to feel like confident in their finances. They wanna be in tune with their money and their mood patterns and just have the ability to afford services or items that support their mental health and well-being. Got it, got it. And so it sounds like some of the skills that we're going to learn today and that you've set forth for us is how to identify emotions around financial health, how to identify emotional and behavioral patterns that enable financial stress, (laughs) coffee at Starbucks, maybe (laughs) (laughs) financial goals with your mental health in mind, because that's really important to put financial goals that aren't just what looks good on paper, but also what's good for your mind. And then also just to gain some insight and tools so that people are feeling really prepared to have a better relationship with money. So to get us started, I really am curious about this question I have here. And that question is, how does money affect our mental health? Well, 
money is like the currency of life. So everything costs money. Um, as we grow older, we get more responsibilities and with responsibilities, we have more needs. So the thing is, is that people become more stressed and then they find themselves not having enough money for the things that they prioritize or the needs that they might have. Um, and this can ultimately cause stress. It can cause anxiety. Um, it can cause insomnia, low self-esteem, social withdrawal, relationship issues, weight gain or loss, and maybe some depressed mood as well. And all of those things obviously affect mental health because if you're not feeling well mentally, you're not feeling well physically, you're not making the best decisions about where you spend your money. I would imagine that that happens often. Now, when it comes to relationships and relationship difficulties, how does that play out in a relationship between partners, let's say, who share some income? I mean, even the strongest relationships can be affected by financial issues. And so if you're not talking about finances with your partner, it can cause a lot of distress. It can cause like a lack of intimacy, um, loss of interest in sex, um, just a lot of relational problems with connecting with your partner. Got it. And then you had mentioned, I mean, not just in the home or even in the, in the bedroom with the withdrawing, but just withdrawing in general socially, how does that affect like the engagement of friends or community or activities outside of the house? Well, I heard this new term since like the pandemic with um, outside cost money. And so with that idea that outside costs money, um, a lot of times you might see people just withdrawing, not wanting to interact because it costs, it's, it's a financial strain to go out and enjoy your time with friends and family. So you might see people withdrawing a little bit more, which kind of leads into like that depressed mood. Um, you start feeling like this daunting feeling of bills, um, things that you need to pay for, which leaves you kind of like hopeless. Yeah, the piling effect that you feel with depression can be from money where it's one bill, it's a second bill, and that piling creates depression, which is a sense of hopelessness or a sense of helplessness. Right. And that can be a red flag for people that their financial burden is actually inducing depression that may not be organic in the brain, but it could be situational or environmental because we know that depression doesn't just come from biological factors. It comes from social economic factors as well. So there is a um, possibility that the mental, the mental struggles are being affected by the finances and it would be a huge red flag for people if they're beginning to feel depressed and they've never had a history of depression. Right. That yeah. would be a problem. And then making sure that obviously people are starting to get help if that is the experience. Mm -hmm. Going off of that, I mean, we're talking about the finances causing mental health. How does the finances also impact physical health? Well, along with like the mental health, a lot of times our mental health affects our physical health. You might start seeing high blood pressure, um, diabetes, um, heart disease, and all of those things kind of intertwine with our mental health just in general. And then with the addition of the financial strain or struggle that you might be feeling, that's going to just cause you to kind of weigh out those uh, doctor appointments, which probably is going to affect your mental health in the long run. So again, you start to see like this trap of if you're not taking care of your finances, you're not taking care of your physical health alongside with your mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on that earlier about how all of this can influence our sleeping and our eating habits. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you've seen in people who struggle with eating or sleeping? With insomnia, 
and other sleeping difficulties, you might find yourself like tossing and turning throughout the night um, and maybe worrying about your bills, um, avoiding kind of like waking up in the morning or going to sleep at night. Alongside with that, um, with anxiety in general or stress in general that can affect your weight gain and loss, um, you might start to see yourself like snacking in the middle of the night figuring out like how I'm gonna pay the next bill, or you might have a loss of appetite, skipping your meals either to just save money or you're just too worried to like feed yourself or care about your body and well-being. Yeah, absolutely. And we know that typically fast food is the cheaper of many options when it comes to food selection. So if you are in a position where you are managing your money and it's, it's reduced and it's very limited, then you may be forced to eat fast food, and that can obviously affect um, health and overall weight. And that's something just we have to acknowledge as a cultural issue and a social issue that that should not be the case. And it is. So we should not judge people for feeding their children McDonald's or feeding their children gas station foods and chips because juices and chips are very, very cheap, um, cheaper than an apple at a gas station. So we need to acknowledge that oftentimes it's not because people are lacking the education of what's a good food choice. They're lacking the economic support of that and increasing shame and guilt you talked about. So just wanted to really highlight the trap, as you mentioned, the complexity of what it is to be financially struggling with your well-being, and then how that affects your mental health. And obviously we have touched on how it affects your physical health. Um, there's really a vicious cycle between mental health and money, and it affects both equally. And that struggle to pay bills can lead to anxiety or depression and existing money problems that can spill over day to day. How do you think mood and emotions affect money and money choices? That's a great question. So just in general, money is emotional. Um, when you think about money, emotions typically come up. Some emotions for people might be shame. Maybe you're not where you want to be at when it comes to finances. Um, maybe it's guilt. You're regretting maybe the last purchase that you had or um, the lack of purchases that you wanted to do. Um, fear or afraid of maybe withdrawing or overdrafting your um, bank account. Um, looking at things that you can't afford and wishing that you could have it. And then sometimes you just feel stressed and tired. Maybe this is something new to you where you're like, I've never struggled with money before and it's just kind of weighing on you. Or maybe this has been a long time standing of struggling with money and it can be a hard, long road without seeing like the light at the end of the tunnel. And so our mood really does affect the way that we look at money and spend money. And if we kind of get a little bit more insight to those patterns, we can gain a little bit more control of how we spend money. So how do we get out of a cycle like that? That's a great question. Here are some questions that you might wanna ask yourself. Um, first one being, are there certain emotions or times which you spend more money? Maybe you find yourself feeling depressed or sad and you feel like you just need to pick me up. And so you're in Target and that dollar section is like in the corner of your eye. And you just wanna grab the little, little things that are there. I mean, I'm guilty of it. Um, or maybe like you're tired, um, you're waking up early and I mean, now it's fall and so, the pumpkin season is here, that pumpkin spice latte might be eyeing you. <laughs> and you feel like you just need to like treat yourself to that latte in the morning, give you a nice little pick me up. Or maybe you're like rocking it at work and you have this 
idea or this item that's in mind that you just really want to treat yourself because I mean you deserve it. Um, and with that, I'm not telling people like not to treat themselves. Being able to treat yourself and enjoy things that you like is part of taking care of your mental health. But we do need to kind of rethink um, what those treats or what those gifts look like because they don't always have to be monetary. So we just got to think a little bit more creatively of how can I get the things that I deserve or kind of fulfill that um, monetary need to treat ourselves without actually using money. Yeah, that's great. And just some self-disclosure here, because I think it is maybe helpful, is I know my trigger, what I call a vulnerability, like the vulnerability point of when I start to do things out of emotions that don't really match my goals, my financial goals, for example. And one of the things that I typically do is I'll go shopping when I have unstructured time. If I have an hour in between something, I'll go shopping. And that's where I start to shop quickly because then I'm in a time crunch and I just start picking up things too quickly. Mm-hmm. What I've decided to do is only shop during scheduled times. So I only go shopping when I've put it in my schedule and I look forward to it. I plan, I actually online shop and do some price comparisons and I actually extend my like happiness and my satisfaction because I've created a whole experience around it. And psychologically, the skill that we have labeled that as in therapy is called creating positive experiences. Right. So I create positive experiences in this like really drawn out process. And it feels a lot better than if I quickly go to the store because I'm bored and I'm restless and I make decisions that don't feel great. So that's just literally something that popped up at the top of my head when you were sharing, but the emotion is boredom. The timing would be unstructured time. Like that's not healthy for me. So instead my emotion is like excitement. And then my skill is structuring my time and probably creating some sort of budget that I'm not going to go over X amount of dollars for the pair of boots I want, for example. So I just wanted to throw that in there and, um, you know, offer that to anyone who can relate to my problem. That's a a great example. It's a great example of, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely guilty as well as going on my break and looking, you know, just glancing, window shopping, and then ending up with things in my cart. <laughs> um, and then having to debate if I need to buy it or put it back, kind of like some of those questions I mentioned before, like, oh, I deserve this, or, you know, oh, it's been a long day. These are things that I, I need to make myself feel better. But again, there are other ways that we can create like those positive experiences that doesn't necessarily surround money. Um, but I love like what you said about like having that structure, because when we have that structure, then we're less likely to kind of overspend. Yeah. You said two things that I think we need to highlight is the emotion that triggers your shopping and the timing. Mm-hmm. So the timing of your shopping can be not just daily or weekly. It could be like seasonal too. So when when um, people are kind of thinking about shopping and shopping in seasons, is there times where people should shop? Is there time where people should save and seeing it more seasonal rather than just like the day-to-day stuff? Well, I like to save my dollar. And so I like to shop like off season. So my tidbit is to shop off season. So right now we're coming into fall. This is a great time to get some summer stuff for next season. Um, One, it's cheaper. And two, you get all the cute stuff that people are probably not gonna be wearing next season. So um, that's just my little insight that I like to use personally is to kind of just shop off season. Um, 
but I think it can kind of be structured to like your family and your lifestyle as well. Making sure that you stick with your budget and you know what you want to spend for clothing or entertainment or things that you enjoy um, or just splurging, right? Having a budget for just splurging. I think it just um, has to be tailored to you as a person and the needs that you have. Got it, got it. And, you know, earlier you had said, like, there's a couple of questions we have to ask ourselves and we have to make sure that we know ourselves. What are some of those other questions? So another question that um, will be helpful to ask yourself is, when are you likely to save money, similar to what you just asked before? Um, it's good to keep in mind that if you have, like, a surplus of money coming in, maybe it's a bonus, maybe it's holidays, birthdays, um, where you're getting gift cards or gifts of money from people, um, making sure that you are setting aside this extra money. I know for myself, I have to like take a deep breath and tell myself this is not extra spending money. This is money that I haven't like um, allotted to. So I'm going to put this aside for savings. Um, another question that is good to ask yourself is how do you feel when it comes to saving versus spending? Um, again, going back to the emotions, we money is emotional and being able to identify the emotions you have versus saving and spending might help you to balance and budget yourself a little bit better. Um, and then lastly, thinking about what interactions worsens your mental health when it comes to money. Maybe it's going to the doctor's appointment or maybe it's pulling out that bill and opening it up or maybe it's the phone call from your friends and family saying, hey, come out, um, let's do something being aware of like those interactions and situations that might worsen your relationship or your idea of money is also very important to keep in mind. And so the more you become familiar with these questions, the more you can become more proactive and plan ahead. Is personal growth something that you've always been interested in, but you haven't really known where to start? If your answer is yes, then I wrote an entire planner series with you in mind. This planner series is broken down into five steps that are focused on helping you become more resilient and confident. Each step includes pages of insight and skills from my personal and professional experiences and ends with 30 days of space for you to practice what you've learned. It's as simple as that. Five steps towards growth and resilience. Learn more at www.buplanner.com. And be sure to check out the subscription option, which gets you a planner delivered to your door every month for the next five months. Since you're a Well Not Perfect listener, you can get 10% off your order using code WELLNOTPERFECT. Happy growing! My next question is, why do people often fail when they're setting their financial goals? Because this is probably the most common thing is setting a goal and then not reaching it and feeling like a failure. So why do you think that happens so often? I see a few reasons of why people might fail. And I have a tool for you guys to use to kind of keep you guys on track. And the tool I want to share with you guys today is the SMART goals. And I have like a bonus tool at the end or a bonus goal to help you maintain or attain like that financial future that you're hoping for. And so a lot of times we fail because we don't have a sense of control and we're using our SMART goals, we'll be able to gain a little bit more control. And SMART goals are just simply um, being specific, being measurable, being attainable, being realistic, and also being timely. And so we want to make sure that our goals are specific. A lot of times when we fail at our financial goals, they aren't specific enough. We often talk about like, oh, I want to reach this goal with financials or finances, or I want to reach that. Um, and like we mentioned earlier, 
finances are emotional. And so if we're not in tune with those emotions, we're not able to kind of set specific goals of how to attain the goal that we have in mind. Our financial goals simply need to be measurable. We need to be able to know that you're on track for your goals. So rather that be a calendar, some type of organization skill or tool that you might have, you want to make sure that it is measurable. And then also our goals may not be attainable because we might not prioritize our goals or we might not have goals that are realistic for ourselves. If we have a goal of, I want to save $10,000 in the next six months, but you're already struggling to just pay your bills on time, you might need to rethink your goals and start off with paying bills on time, lower your amount, maybe to $1,000 and then work your way up. And then also we wanna create a timeline. We wanna make sure that this isn't a goal that's just gonna last forever. We have a start and we have an end. And that's also gonna keep us like on track as well. And then my bonus is you wanna have that accountability. Again, like we mentioned before, money is emotional. And so that leads us to a lot of guilt and shame and the isolation. And so having accountability might look like telling your friends and family about your goals, um, providing or getting more education about money so that it's a constant conversation, whether it's with yourself, with apps, with books, with people, but having that accountability is really, really important when it comes to financial goals. Absolutely. And a piece of accountability is that there's two different types of financial advisors and how they work. And it is something to be aware of because it depends on how you feel um, emotionally, how much you trust someone, um, and also how much money you want. So one is a fee upfront, which a lot of people are afraid of because they say, well, I don't have $2,000 to give to a financial advisor who's going to advise me. I can't do that. Um, the reason why that exists is some people don't trust the idea of someone investing their money, knowing that they're getting a percent of that investment. So some people do want the fee for service upfront, because then you believe that they're not doing anything that would be better for them. The other one is that they do take um, percents within the investments that you invest, but their services upfront are free. The consultation is free. And there's many, many, many banks and companies that provide financial advising and it costs you nothing upfront. And the money that they earn is nothing compared to the money that you save and get back from the investments. So yes, everything costs money. That is life. But there are people out there that do not require cash upfront to give you really great financial planning and advising. So for me, I would ask family and friends for a recommendation to make sure I felt like I was choosing the right person. Um, of course, we are not a financial advisor board or resource center, so we can't do any of that on here. Um, I just wanted to highlight the emotional side of when you're choosing the type of financial advisor that you choose, because it's based in emotion. Like we keep going back to that, we keep going back to mental health, back to emotion, back to financial advising. That's something to think about if you are new to this world and new to this conversation. And definitely find someone who's sensitive and emotionally intelligent. Don't you think that's important, Angel, to have someone that's sensitive? Yes. I mean, um, uh, money in general is just difficult to talk about. So it's very important that you are confiding in someone who relates to you, can empathize with you, and it can also help you strategize to reach your goals and support you and give you some accountability with that. So 100%.
Before we wrap up, what are like the basics, like foundation steps that people should be taking to really get their mind right and ready to tackle some of their financial well-being? Yeah, definitely. So some things to kind of like help you cope as you're starting this journey of financial well-being and your mental health is you want to first create a budget. Again, going back to the SMART goals, we want to be able to have your income, have your budget so that you know what you're spending and you know what you're getting out of each month. You also want to think creatively of how you can spend less money. So that might be making more meals at home. Again, outside costs money. <laughs> and so being able to spend spend the money and use it at home, you can stretch your dollar a little bit further. And also we wanna be able that we're, we wanna be able to make sure that we're taking care of our bodies. Um, so exercise is important. When we feel good, we typically do better. And so if whether we're taking a walk, we're watching a YouTube video or we're doing yoga at home, if our body feels great, we're able to kind of have a clearer mind to tackle some of these difficult things. Another thing that I like to do is sleep. <laughs> um, sleep is very important when it comes to just mental health in general. It gives us the ability to have a clearer mind and also using some grounding skills. If you find yourself like having racing thoughts or just caught in that cycle of what am I going to do about this bill, you want to make sure that you're reconnecting with your body and your environment. And then again, let's get educated about money. We want to be able to have this be a consistent conversation. So talk to friends, family, research um, some books or items out there that's gonna help you get more knowledgeable. And then again, don't isolate yourself, be connected with friends and family. You can do a lot of things that don't cost money with friends and family as well. Angel, thank you so much for this. I know it's gonna impact a lot of people and really improve not just mental health, but also financial being. So thank you for being here. No problem, thank you for having me. And this is another episode of, well, not perfect. Thank you for listening to season two. Make sure you never miss an episode by hitting the subscribe button and consider leaving me a review. And for more information on all things podcast, check us out at Instagram, well, not perfect and DM us any questions you have and content that you'd love to see this season. See you next week.